accountable of consciousness. And so um, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself. And I have to say this. So um, we were in the Gold Lounge for the Soul Sessions. And I saw you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's gorgeous. And then we started following each other on Instagram while we were still at Afropunk. And I kept seeing you, but I was such a chicken. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to introduce myself and be like, hey, I'm Malika. You're cool. Be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to be super weird. So I just decided I'd stop you on Instagram <laughs> until I feel comfortable talking to you. And now here we are. <laughs> And it's, it's really funny. Uh, oh, maybe, should I introduce myself or? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Um, I'm Dominique. Um, and when you were speaking, I don't remember who had the mic at the time, but um, who had the mic at the time? And they gave you the mic. And you were Oh, that was about, uh, Michaela Angela Davis. Yes. And as soon as you, uh, you were talking about podcasts, I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> what, what, what is this? <laughs> podcast. I love podcasts. And so I thought right then and there, when you gave out your social media information, I started following right then and there. I wasn't, I didn't think that you would follow me back. I was just like, I'm just, you know, I'm just here to, to see all of this and a podcaster. And I want to know what she's about and what she has going on. Um, so I was excited. And it was really cool because it was an organic thing. You know, it wasn't yeah. like a forced, you know, meeting. It was like ch a yeah. chance meeting, if that makes Very any sense. So. so, like, for you to say that, like, you didn't want to come up to me, I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, I was just like, like, you, like, very much, you were just so regal. And I was just like, okay, so I'm quite awkward. People don't know that about me. They don't get that about me, but I'm quite awkward. And, um, but I was just, yeah, I was just admiring everything. I was like, your hair, your, like you have pulled a whole look together. And I was like, and you're still pulling mm -hmm. look together as a young, you look amazing. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I was super excited and, um, I have been following, which is why I invited you on. Um, right, right. and then when I read, when I read your response to the email, the introduction, I was just like, oh my God, this is absolutely perfect. Uh, because it's October and we, we talked about all of the stuff, you know, for coming out day and of course for Afropunk. And the one thing that we really have not spent a lot of time on is, um, breast cancer awareness month. And part of the reason for that, for me is there's so much pink washing that ha happens during October that I think the importance of breast health gets lost. Um, yep. and so I was like, I want to, I definitely want to talk, talk about it. Like it needs to be talked about and it can't be just talked about inside of the vacuum of it's October and let's all wear pink and let's all, you know, say this month that it's an issue when it's an issue all the time and that it's something that we need to be talking all about all the time. So, um, yeah. when you shared your post, I was just like, yeah, you would never again, I, I can totally, I get it. Like, I would have never thought you just walk with so much confidence, like, and just completely owning the place and taking up your space. And I was like, man, this, this is why these conversations are important so that people can see that. 
so we're definitely going to get into it we're definitely going to um we're definitely going to have the interview and talk a little bit more uh one of the first things that we like to do of course is get into the teas. so um so if you have any shows that you're watching we we're specifically with the team wanting to highlight shows that focus on uh people of color that are written by people of color produced by people of color directed by people of color uh women centered absolutely because representation matters right it's super important um when you even think about again back to the pink washing and when we get into it's you know breast cancer awareness month you see susan g coleman stuff everywhere right and you see all of these ads and you see all of the stuff and it's not people who look like us and right. i was just talking about that about uh, on google not important events you don't see people who look like us like, right oh and we're just like oh, right and so definitely um with my intersections i'm always looking for people who i can relate to so I'm looking for black women. I'm looking for fat black women. I'm looking for queer black women. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking for right. I can relate to. I think that was one of the things that I enjoyed so much about Afropunk was just being in a space where there were so many people that looked like me and 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 moving so freely, right? Not being the odd one, not being the different one just being able to move in that space just as you are like i don't know about you but it was a spiritual yeah. experience for me i'm like every year i gotta go back every year yes yes was that your first afropunk oh yeah um i think like i mean i've i've known about afropunk forever i mean when it was just a form like right. I used to creep in there because I'm just to be like, I'm like these black people are so weird. I'm like, what are they doing over here? I ain't seen right. this before. I was like, what is this? And then it just grew when they got sponsorships and because it was in Brooklyn at first, and then like they worked it, it worked its way down here. I think the first one was in 2014, if I'm not mistaken, or 2015. 2015. Brand new. Yeah. Yes, yeah, brand new. Um, and so I missed that because I was going through what I was going through um which is a different story but and then 2016 i think that one got canceled if i'm not mistaken i'm not sure Other but i was sick at the time anyway uh, so it didn't matter and i was like the well the next one i am going well good i'm glad you made it that was right on uh, time uh, um so this week hot tea i got, got direct tv on my phone Listen, come through Love. Samsung S8. Still a part of the Android family. iPhone almost snatched my soul. But almost, I couldn't do it. Almost. Let me just show y'all what this iPhone makes me look like. So I decided to try out DirecTV and I was like, I need to get caught up on a bunch of stuff. So I started with Blackish because it's only 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, I can fit in 30 minutes while I'm supposed to be working. Anybody gonna notice? <laughs> so caught up, caught up on Blackish. <laughs> And and blackish is like it's be it should just be black now. They sh- they could just drop the ish because this season right. is like the blackest season ever. Have you been watching? Uh, not not this season. Um, 
I haven't watched TV in quite some time, but I am familiar with the show. Absolutely. I don't watch TV on a regular basis. Like, I never watch shows the night they air. I don't know what comes on Monday or whatever. I always hear about it later. But I've been very deliberate about picking out shows that I want to support. Um, I'm a Netflix person. So, like, Netflix, YouTube, Go Movies, like, that's... Right. Like, I'm like, why do we have cable? Like, what is cable for? (laughs) (laughs) I I just have an internet package, so I don't know nothing about that cable life. Right. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm Netflix till I die. Like, that's where I live. Or Netflix, maybe. I, I can't deal with Hulu because it's commercials and I just refuse to pay for, for commercials. Like, I can't understand that. Like, no, 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 you can pay for the Hulu, like, it's two different. So you can have a little commercial, then you have a little rapid commercials. That sounds complicated. Why don't they just take out the Hey, a different period? world is on Hulu. <laughs> but, like, why do I have to pay for Hulu? But you know that you I want to watch the show. But that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I can't roll with it. It's a commercial. You, gotta, you just gotta roll with it. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so, you're you're right. So I'm caught up on Blackish. I'm still not caught up on Queen Sugar, or Being Mary Jane, or Greenleaf, and I'm ashamed of myself because it's Queen Sugar and Being Mary Jane and Greenleaf and. Black women doing amazing, spectacular things. Right, and I'm slacking. So I'm, so I'm gonna try to get caught up on that. Um, so, uh, okay, you said you watch Netflix. Do you watch Stranger Things? I. <laughs> Everyone loves Stranger Things, and I tried to get into it, and I. Okay. I don't know. I, I I don't connect to it. I don't identify I with you. it. Now, Queen Sugar. I I identify with Queen Sugar. Right. Queen Sugar. I haven't watched it in some time, but I think where I left off with Queen Sugar, um, like these, I think white farmers were trying to buy off their land. So I know I gotta yeah. catch up. I know I'm like way way behind. But I can't. I gotta give Stranger Things another try. Because everyone loves it. Everybody I know loves it. It's really good. I mean, it's just for just certain people, I guess. I mean, like, I don't know. I think every show is for certain people because it's been, like, a lot of shows. Like, um, Scandal, at first, I couldn't really even get into Scandal. I was like, oh, okay. She's doing the present. I couldn't really get into it at first. I I mean, it just kind of depends, you know? Especially when stuff is, like, real popular stuff. It's kind of hard to get into. It's just, like, I really didn't find them all. I just kind of like, because everybody was talking about it. So, Everybody I know <laughs> like Stranger Things. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I tend to just not get into things when everybody else is into them so I can figure out if I really like it for myself. Like, I don't want to have all right. the... Right. If it's peer pressure. Like, that's why I was a scandal. I was like, oh, okay, great. Gary Washington has a show. She's sleeping with the president. That's not cool. Like, at all. I was like, like, <laughs> right. Like, like, mm. Right. I'm like, so. That's the point? 
Right, so like the side chick is winning and we're celebrating that and like right. Terry Washington is the side chick and like we're okay. Like there were so many things about it that I was just like, I can't. I'm not going to be able to do this. That's why it was a big thing. Uh, okay, it looks like we lost Dominique for a second. We'll wait. Sorry, okay, someone's trying to FaceTime me. Sorry, I'm back. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, uh, okay, so wait, we didn't introduce our producer. And we've gotten off into the piece, and we mentioned one of her favorite shows, Scandal. So everybody say, hey, Sam, hey. Hey. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, Scandal took me a minute to get into. Once I got into it, though, I was okay. And, like, now I've, you know, watched it, and I'm ready for the, you know, last season or whatever. Um, it's good writing out of Shondaland, but there's still so many things about it that are just wrong. And it's like, we can't have healthy relationships and I don't know. I and then I'm and like, y'all gotta do that one Henry lip, bro. Well, the show That's is it. called Scandal. It is called Scandal, and I just feel like they could have taken a different approach. Like they could have been like the first family of polyamory because clearly everybody like was in the <laughs> going at a certain point. So I'm like, just, you know, say that there are other relationships what? out here, and that's what there are. Like, and Scandal also had a big effect on Carrie Washington to actually go into the White House one day because they were like, oh, is Carrie Washington sleeping with President Obama? They were like, see, oh, man, she's doing, doing the, the most. Of like, they do be doing the most. <laughs> they try it. Um, so, yeah, I'm not into Stranger Things either, and everybody on my timeline I can't. Like, people made plans around it. They were like, it's coming out tonight. I will be at home. I was eating chalupas, drinking lemonade, watching. See, that's, I, yeah, no. Okay, well, I'm glad to know I'm not by myself. I'm the first Speaking of Netflix, shout out to Netflix secret codes. Because they were putting me up on hella movies. So, um. Wait, what? Netflix, what? Get my notebook. So, yes, honey, you got to Google Netflix secret codes. And then they give you all of these categories of movies that aren't, like, regularly available in your Netflix lineup. So um, before Daughters of the Dusk uh, came uh, back, well, came to Dusk came to Netflix. They had um, like how they do now. If you put in "She's Got to Have It," you get the original version and then the new version that's coming out. But like you can go find all kinds of stuff. Um, so some of the things that I found recently, one is this movie called "The Pearl of Africa," and it's about a transgender Ugandan who's like living their life openly. So, you know, Uganda is absolutely like trans, actively transphobic, right, right. actively anti-LGBTQIA. Like they, I mean, death squads the whole nine. And so um, Cleopatra uh, Kambugu, Kambugu, I think that's it, is, um, is an activist in Uganda in like living her life out publicly in that space um but if you just go to netflix and look up you know the movie you can't find it but if you have the secret codes it'll give you all of these different things for documentaries 
it will give you things specifically yeah. for African movies, um, specifically for women's movies. I found a really interesting one called um, Nas and Malik. So this one is super interesting because it's two black Muslim boys who are queer. Do you know how? Do you know how like rare that is? Like super rare. And then they're and then the the plot twist is that they're accused of terrorist activities because they're trying so hard to hide the secret of them being gay. But of course, because they're Muslim, if they're meeting right. in secret and doing stuff, then they have to be terrorists. So yeah, lots of stuff going on there. But again, Netflix secret codes. They're your friend. They're your friend. Your wife friend. Right. So I have to say, um, I'm happy that Daughters of the Dust is on Netflix because that movie has been so hard to find like forever. And it's definitely a well that's because you watch like one, two, three movies and stuff. Well, no, I just went on the internet and I looked up like black movies, nineties black movies, and I was obsessed with black cinema in general. And I was like, nineties black movies that every person needs to see. And yeah. that popped up and I watched it like well, I the first time I watched it I didn't really pay attention to it. But like the second time I watched it, I really paid attention to it. The energy it I felt it all around me. I was just like, Woo! Daughters of the Dust is one of those movies that's definitely on like every black girl magic list. I want to say it's in the Lemonade syllabus. Mm -hmm. So, um, so after Lemonade came out, there was this national call, and a hundred million women were on this. Hundred million black women were on this call discussing Lemonade from a feminist perspective, and they put together a whole thirty-six page syllabus. So I have a thirty-six page syllabus that I regularly refer to, like, hmm, have I read this book? Have I seen this movie? So Daughters of the Dust is definitely one of those mm. you gotta see. Ooh. Oh, hon, I will send you links to all of this stuff. <laughs> I, I will you. take the links. Thank you. You, you <laughs> see you. you see me? Okay. I knew sure. I would need it. And so here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, take all the notes. Um, so my guilty pleasure right now on Netflix, I just finished season three of a show called Shit's Creek. The first time that I saw it, I was just like, eh. It's Eugene Levy, the mom from, uh, I don't, yes, and from um, all of the American Pie movies. So I was just like, eh, I'm not sure about this. And then it's like the mom from Beetlejuice, and she looks weird. And I was just like, I don't know about this. I didn't do too well with the first episode. It took me a while and I circled oh, back. And oh, then they introduced like Yeah. That's the name of the last name of the people in who own the city. So I'm, I start watching and it, it starts to get good. The family gets introduced. The son is a masculine gendered. What is he? He's masculine gender, but he's sexually fluid so like all of that comes to play because he's in this very mm -hmm. small town you know small conservative predominantly white town and then they introduce a black character so now i'm super curious as to what they're going to do because what usually happens is that the black character is you know either the angry black woman or you know the sassy smart or the fat funny friend and so i'm like right right like how all of this is gonna work out and they actually 
just have a black person on this white show that just gets to be black. Like she just is having a regular black experience hey. in a production white town. And so, you know, she's, so she looks at them and rolls their eyes and is like, y'all are ridiculous as hell. But it's not over the top. Like it's not overacted. So. Hey, y'all are ridiculous. Right. So it's, so I would say Shit's Creek, though, it's not a, you know, predominantly woman-centered or black-centered show. I, I do enjoy it, and I enjoy the character Ronnie because she just gets to be herself, and it's not a, oh, let's, you know, introduce, insert random black person here and have them be extra black. So I'm loving it so far. Like Kyle with the Scott Jackson doing on these things. Yes. 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 So, um, that's it. That's all of what I'm watching. That's all my teeth. Are you watching anything? I'm interested in anything. Well, as you guys know, I'm watching Stranger Things, um, which is amazing. I won't spend anything on that so you guys get into it because it's amazing. Um, so, I mean, I guess you can count the Magic School Bus. Since they put it back on Netflix, I was like, hey, I want to ride with Miss Frizzle too. It's not going to be a normal <laughs> field trip. What? So I started watching the Magic School Bus again. That's great. Um, Magic School Bus is classic. And I heard they're doing a live action movie and they cast Tracy Ellis Ross. Really? As Miss Frizzle. Frizzle. Yeah. I think that's going to be a dope thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got the like new generic isn't it like her niece or something? Like yeah, and then like Arlo just don't like her. I'm just like, I'm not here for the rules. I'm gonna stick to Miss Frizzle. Okay, I don't know about her niece or cousin or whatever. I'm gonna stick to Miss Frizzle. Um, it's always I'm fun biased. when they change characters in the middle of a show. Freshman to go there. Just gonna, just gonna stick this lovely not tea in my teacup. Uh, that I mean that'll it's never. Right, like that'll never be okay. Like, and it's sad because Daphne Maxwell Reed is such a great actress, and people don't realize like how many firsts she was. Like, she was the first, uh, the first black woman. It was a, I can't remember what magazine it was. It wasn't Vogue, but it was like a fashion magazine that she did in the '60s for her school. She was the first uh, woman of color who won the Miss, you know, whatever their school yeah. is. So, like, she's got, like, if you look up that, she's amazing, amazing dancer. Yeah, she's got hella history. But, like, she came in and replaced Janet Hubert on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so, the latter part of her career is really just being light-skinned on Viv. And, like, that comp that comparison always Damn. being made between her and Janet Hubert. And that's, it's, but it's sad because it's kind of like, that's, that's what happens, right? That's how they pit us against each other. Like, you know, which, which Aunt Viv is your favorite Aunt Viv? And it's like, you know, right. each one of them brought something different to the show. And um, Janet Hubert, obviously, you know, great actress and talent in her own right. And definitely like in her latter life, it's been her story. We don't really know what she does outside of, being angry with Will Smith still, like still ranting about that 20 right. years later. And it's like, that cannot be your legacy when you're, you know, that talented of an actress. And she's actually a designer. She designs uh, backpacks that feature children of color 
for children of color. Oh, but a lot of people don't know that because most of the story has been I she's still mad about me. yeah, she's still mad about Fresh Prince. Is she still mad? She's still mad. She regularly goes off on those folks. She regularly goes for real? off. Every couple of years there's a rant that comes out. That she on Twitter and stuff? Yeah. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I just feel like it was like a little messed up. They didn't try to get dark skin out there. That was my issue. But I mean, I, I like both of the outfits, honestly. It happens. They switch folks up. They switch the one who played um, the little boy that they had. Nikki? Nikki. They, they when did they up. switch him? Uh, it was this other little white skin boy they had playing Nikki at first, and then they got the boy who played Buckwheat to play. Yeah, because that's the only one I remember. I don't remember anyone else. So they had another little white skin Because I remember on one of the episodes, they were like, who we get to play Nikki this year? And they were like, it's still the same little thing. Yeah, I liked him as Nikki. Um, but that's like what they did on My Wife and Kids when they switched Claire, Claire that one time. And those kids didn't look at all like at all she didn't look like the other kids or any what you mean yeah no they got the light skin clear from they got the dark skin yeah that's the dark skin right hello i don't remember what's the real thing but see here we go light skin claire dark skin claire light skin i did dark skin but it's not even like they had to cut the dark skin like she wasn't even doing it they just cut it that was that was i don't know so, yeah, TV mostly sucks. Find Netflix free codes, the uh, yes. secret codes, so you can find better TV and better stuff to watch. Oh, Jack Ray Cole is the girl from um, The Quad. Okay. The daughter from The Quad. That's this. That was who was Claire. That was who was Claire. Yeah. Okay. Word. Um, and she's a way too So, so let's talk a bit about um, let's talk a bit about your story, Dominique. Because I saw so, um, so this is what I saw. I saw a post, and the post was saying how you know different things have been for you from last year to this year, and how you weren't <laughs> how you were very <laughs> intentional in moving forward in your life wanting to live the life that you that you want that you desire you know and making those things happen yep. for yourself so um so february of last year take us to february of last year yeah so um matter of fact i'm gonna say let me take you to january of last year okay uh, january of last year i was um a full-time student uh and i was studying and so weird. There was a very distinct pain that I felt in my left chest. And immediately, the first thing, I mean, when you feel pain, the first thing you do is like, oh, what's, what's that? And I put my hand there and I was like, that feels like a golf ball in my chest. And it's crazy because I thought to myself, why didn't I feel this before? And why is it so big? Right. Um, I immediately thought cancer. I didn't think anything else. I didn't think anything else. And that was because my mother 
died my 47 well she was 47 at the time she died the year she died at the end of 2014 suddenly <laughs> of a cancer that they don't even know like where it originated they think it may have been pancreatic so anytime i feel any kind of weirdness i was like what's this what's happening i'm like paranoid sort of um so it happened on a friday um dang i know i wrote this down but it happened on a friday and so i'm panicking that entire weekend and i can't book an appointment with my doctor until monday so monday i booked that appointment they see me a couple days later they're like uh oh girl um we need to send you for a mammogram that mammogram they were like, uh-oh, this isn't looking too good. We need to refer you to a breast specialist. Breast specialist, uh-oh, um, we need to, let's do a biopsy. You know, they're like, don't panic, you know, but let's do a biopsy, see what's going on. Came back, cancer, it's a mass. Um, so they, they run more tests, but this moved very, very quickly. And I feel so blessed to have access to healthcare because they moved me. They moved me quick. Um, I had surgery, like the, the removal of the cancer, I want to say in April. Wow. I don't know where my notes are, but, um, oh, here it is, here it is. So yeah, in, yeah, in April, the end of April, um, they, you know, I am an amputee. They took both of them. And I didn't care about, you know, reconstruction and things like that because I'm just trying to live. Right. I have a 10-year-old son. He was nine at the time. And he's all I'm thinking about this entire time. I'm like, whatever little bit of time I have left, I mean, this is fine. I, I just, I want to live. I don't care about having breasts. I don't care about any of that stuff. And people are like, oh, you're still young, Dominique. Uh, you know, we're talking about reconstruction. Right. And I'm like, I don't care. Get this cancer up out of me. I don't want you doing, because they have like a lumpectomy where they just, you know, take out cancerous tissue. Mm -hmm. And a mastectomy is when they're, they take all the tissue. So you have right. nothing left. Um, and I had a double mastectomy. And the reason that they went on ahead and, you know, they were okay with taking both of them and not giving me a hard time like uh, taking both of them was because my mom just died Yeah, from a cancer. They don't even know, you know, where it originated. It metastasized you know, to her brain and, you know, killed her eventually, but they have no idea where it started. Right. So they're like, okay, well, if you want us to take both, we'll take both. And they took both. Um, I got some reconstruction done because everybody was urging me to. They're like, Dominique, you're still, you know, you're still young and you're still pretty and you still have a chance at finding a husband. Right. I have an opinion about that right. <laughs> as being the we'll, motivation. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that, right? How people, um, how people try to usurp our agency, how people try to, and they think they're doing the best thing for us, right? They think that they're being positive and encouraging. They want to give you a reason right. and instead of just letting you stand in your agency and making the choices that you right. feel best about, that you feel comfortable. Right, right. It's pressure from so many different sides because I want this to be over. I just want it to be over. I'm like, I don't care. I want it to be over. I'm ready to live now. I'm ready to live. And so like after my last surgery, oh wait, I didn't tell y'all about chemo. So after my first surgery, um, I had to do four rounds of chemo. So that lasted maybe about 
five months, it's maybe about four months. I'll say four months, three to four months. And chemo, essentially, it's a poison. You know, it's designed to kill cells. Right. Healthy cells, bad cells, it kills all your cells. So you lose right. your hair. I've lost a few nails, um, gained a lot of weight, food tasted um, metallic, medicinal, nothing tasted good. You know, I'm not going to, you know, go into too much detail because I don't want to make anybody sad, but, um, it was rough. It's rough. It is not pretty. This is not a pretty thing. It is rough. It is lonely. Nobody understands how you feel. Nobody understands, you know, you go from being, you know, this young, vibrant, I wasn't super social, but I was still vibrant, still had a lot of personality mm -hmm. to like a dry, it, it, it aged me by like, I felt like I was 60. Wow. And like, it did not take any time at all. It didn't take any time at all. My bones were sore. It was just, I, it feels like a dream now to think about it. Honestly, it's like, right. that, 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 that's crazy. That, that didn't happen to me. But um, yeah, it's rough. And so after chemo was over, my hair started to grow back. And that's when I started to feel like, okay, as soon as your hair grows back, you know, to a decent length, you need to find a job. You need to get about your apartment. You know, you need to be amongst people again. So my last surgery was in um, October and I was working at the end of the month, that same month. My hair had, I had a little fuzz situation happening. And I started working so that I could connect with people again. My weight started dropping off and I started to do things. I was like, I'm going to socialize. Hey, I'm Dominique. Hey, hi. You know, <laughs> and, and that wasn't something that I'd done before because I'd be nervous around people, liked people, but still be kind of nervous. I felt like I was kind of weird. Um, but I was like, nope, I don't care. Hi, I don't care if it seems weird. Whatever it is that I, whatever is moving me, I'm just going to do it. I right. can't, you know, I don't want to think about, I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to think about oh, well, I, I didn't try and so, well, no. So I've been trying everything, like every single thing um, that I could. So I'm, I'm going out, I'm dating, I'm, you know, taking people to lunch and just socializing and being amongst people and learning about people. And it's been so nice. Yeah. I, I'm never like lonely. Um, I always have something to do. I'm always learning. It's, it's wonderful. And I, I, I wasn't doing that before because, you know, I'm, I'm raising my son, you know, for the past 10 years. And um, I just feel so free now. I feel like I can, I can do anything now. And so even if like, you know, the cancer comes back, which, you know, I hope it doesn't, but that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. I can feel at peace with myself. I know that I lived my best life. I know that I tried my best to live my best, to teach people, to educate people, to be kind to people, to love people, to connect with people. And I was not doing any of that before. I was so to myself. I said, Dominique, you've got to, you know, not like push the story onto people, but let people know that yeah. this is something that can happen to you, to yeah. you, anybody. It yeah. doesn't have a look. It can happen to anybody. And so anybody who um, I know personally, I encourage them like, please check yourself, please. Please check yourself. It's not something that is talked about. My mom didn't tell me to check my breasts. Yeah. Never. 
Never. And so I know it's my duty to let people know that they need to do that. I'm yeah. sorry. I know I kind of like went off. No, no. Um, you know? <laughs> after you said your time. Yes. So we're also live on Facebook. Ladia says, snaps for everything that you're saying right now. Um, that is absolutely the truth. Um, one of the things, so I've been trying to get to Afropunk since it first started um, in Atlanta because that's what was closest to me. And mm -hmm. I did the, so the first year it was canceled because of the weather and they hadn't, they didn't have a backup plan. So last year they did it. They were like, it's going to be a rain or shine event. They made the contingencies and I didn't make it. And so this year I was determined. I was like, I'm going to do everything that I can to get there. Um, and then once the mom was, you know, announced as the headliner, I've been following her all year trying to figure out which concert I was going to be able to afford to go to. Because I was like, I need that. Like, I need that in my life to see Solange live, like, one time. Um, and then I've been following Michaela Angela Davis. So my background is in journalism and communication. I've been following her for years, like, by essence. So I was like, I didn't know she was going to be there. I know she's based in Brooklyn. So I was like, I didn't know she was going to be in Atlanta. So when I found out that she was going to be in Atlanta, my mission was just that more intensified. I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going. Like, mama's going to be on a pole right. somewhere. I'm going to make the money because I'm going. Like, it's happening. Um, but, you know, getting there and being in that place and getting to meet her, when I was talking to her, I was saying, you know, there were two videos that she did that helped me to make the decisions to go forward and to be, and to just be out and to just be myself right? and to live the life that I wanted to live, to really walk in my truth. And it's so important because so many times it takes tremendous loss or change for people to reach that type of transformation, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? for us to decide that we yeah. want to live our our best lives, our best lives, yeah. not what somebody else tells us, but what we envision for ourselves, what is what we're passionate about, what's going to drive us. And so for me, hearing you say that, it just resonates so deeply because I'm like, I think about all of the ways in which we hold ourselves back as Black women, the ways that we've been taught to function in society, right? Yeah. Don't be too loud. Don't be too bold. Be very careful and cautious with your interactions with other people. Yep. Be modest. Be humble. And we're not allowed to mm -hmm. live these big, bright, bold, vibrant lives. And sometimes it right. just takes something to come along and shake that up. And I mean, my, my God, you are young too. Like, let's say that. A lot of times when people hear breast cancer, one, they don't attach it to youthful bodies, right? This is not something that happens to young people. This is something that happens to old people. And because of the visuals that are yep. put out, most of the time, it's, this is what happens to old white women. This doesn't happen yes, to man. Right? And we're, we're strong. We're invincible. So mm, even when resilient. happens to us, right? Yeah, we're just supposed to bounce back. Everything's yep. going to be okay because that's how we deal with things. We're just going to power through. We're just going to go to work. That's we're right. going to keep raising kids. And we're not yep. going to change anything. That we're, we're good. Doing. We got we're it. We're just going to soldier on, right? 
And it's like, I need, I needed you to say that. I needed you to be honest and say, this was not easy. And, and when you look at me and you see me in my health, please understand that this was difficult and that I had to do the work and that I had to make the oh, hard yes. for myself, right? And, and I'm sure, can we talk about having to advocate for yourself when it comes to your health? So when you go to the doctor and you find out what's going on and then everybody wants to tell you this is what you should do, right? They want to start prescribing for you. There comes a point, um, you said that you were very clear about what you wanted and what you wanted right. was to live. Right. And that was your priority and you made decisions yep. based upon that. How, how was that in terms of dealing with your healthcare professionals? Were they, did you find that they were receptive, that they listened? Did you, was it a, a fight? Because I know a lot of times when you're dealing with medical industry, it can be a fight to get them to do what it is that you want them to do versus what they think right, right, right. should happen. Right. Well, let me tell you, it is, and that's just, we I to talk about this forever, but they seem more concerned with my aesthetic than me. Right. And like I was, you know, touching on before, it was, you're still young and, you know, you might want to get married one day. You know, don't you still want to be hot? Like, <laughs> like, wow. like wow. I, don't, I don't care about no man. I don't care about no, that kind of love. I, I want to be there for my child. Like, right. I am not thinking about being sexy. Like, right. I, I couldn't understand like how, and I, I mean, it's, I'm a woman right. and that's the sad thing is that even, you know, feeling how I felt at that time, looking how I was looking and just being appreciative that I had access to surgeons. The first thing they start talking about is breast implants. And I'm like, um, can we <laughs> focus on removing the thing that's killing me? I just, I, I wish that we weren't sexualized so much. Like everything, every single thing goes back to, well, how appealing do you look? Wow. And it's like, I'm sick. I'm, not, I'm just grateful here. Right. You know, and you're forcing vanity on me, or you're trying to rather. And that right. is something that I... That's not something I wanted to have to think about. And I wish that uh, that, that wasn't, I'm not going to say it was the focal point. I just wish that that kind of pressure wasn't put on us. Right. To always have to look good, even in sickness. In right. sickness. Well, how, well, how, you know, how does your figure look in sickness? Right. You know, when you think about breasts and what the, the function is, what they're for, what they can be used for, you know, if, if you're taking mine away and putting in something artificial, what is that going to do? It is all aesthetic. It is all about look because they serve no purpose. There's no function. That part of me, that, that, that feminine part of me is gone. Right. It's gone. It's not coming back. It's gone. So this here is nothing. It means nothing. Um, but being under that kind of pressure and wanting everything to be over, I just kind of let, I kind of let them have it. I wasn't really as strong. I wasn't yeah. strong. 
you know, I, I wasn't strong at all. And, um, you know, I don't like to think about regrets and things like that, but um, I just wish that they wouldn't put that kind of pressure on you. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and definitely it's, um, it's a lesson, right? In the moment when you're having to make those decisions, uh, you, you make what you, you do what you need to do in that moment. And sometimes when you reflect, you're like, well, if, right. I, if I had more time, if I had more support, if I, if, you know, certain things were in place, I would have done something differently. And so it's, you know, it's, not, it's not about regretting it. It's just about knowing from where you are now, right? It's that hindsight is twenty twenty. Knowing what I know now, what would I have done differently? Um, and thank you for saying that you weren't strong because that's okay. We don't always have to be strong. And we do ourselves such a disservice so often by falling into that, right? When other people say, well, I'm going to lean into you because you're strong. What they're saying is, I don't want the responsibility of this right now. But here you so go. I'm going to lean on you <laughs> so you can take it and you can deal with it and you can hold me up. But at a certain point in our lives, no matter how strong we are, all of us need to have the ability and to feel free and to not feel right. guilty about the times when we're not strong, to not feel like we have to apologize for that. Baby, you were going through a whole sickness and transformation of your not just your body but your life things change after yeah. that point and you mm -hmm. just got to give yourself permission to not be strong in that moment that's okay that's okay and thank you for saying that because somebody needs to hear that see it's sunday we'll because we'll <laughs> i'm like Cause that's a word for somebody somebody needs to hear that it's okay for you not to be strong that's okay what a pm um the other thing that you said is, for you, this was also a rebirth process, right? Because there were so many oh, yeah. things that did change. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, you know, I touched on how my outlook on life changed. I'm not afraid of death anymore. Right. I'm just not. I know it's coming. I don't know when it's coming. And it doesn't even matter because as long as I am putting forth my best effort, and I'm doing everything that I, that I can do. I am able-bodied, so it is my duty to help those who are not able-bodied. I'm educated, so it is my duty to educate. It doesn't even feel like work. It's just right. I know that I have, to, I have to get these things done before I'm gone. And I don't know where it, when, it, when that's going to be. Right. So that's my, that's my way of like just living life to the fullest. Um, so, you know, my, my mindset changed i was never like a judgmental person or anything like that but i just want to give more mm -hmm. i want to give more i want to share with people i want to talk to people i want to love people more um and it's crazy because i noticed that like the world doesn't work like that like everybody else is not that wave and yeah. i'm like but why aren't y'all love me like i i love y'all <laughs> where y'all at you know Yes, yes. I, so I, I never noticed that before because I was always to myself. I was always like standoffish. So I never noticed that. And yeah. it's crazy because you have to think like, well, Dominique, that was you. Yeah. These people that you're looking at right now, that was you. They haven't had their awakening yet. They'll get there. Oh, they will get But it. they haven't had their awakening yet. Uh -huh. This was yours. Yeah. 
this was your awakening. Like, wake up, connect with people, love on people before it's your time. Um, I had to learn to like love myself from scratch, which was very difficult because I've pr I've always prided myself in you know, you know, being able to maintain a certain appearance. You know, I've mm -hmm. never been someone who didn't care about how I looked, and so once I started to like lose my hair, oh god, I went to my barber and I was just just cut just get it gone because it's coming off in clumps. And the first time I saw myself, I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. I was like, I don't even know who this is. Who is this? Who is this? And I had to, um, I didn't wear wigs because I didn't want to like come home and then take it off and have to like deal with that. Mm -hmm. I was like, Dominique, just be bald. Just stay bald. And then it will eventually, you'll get used to it. You might not love it. You might miss having hair, but you know that you're going to do more damage if you keep tricking your mind in, into saying that, oh, having hair on my head is more beautiful than where I am right now. Yeah. So I had to literally love myself without eyebrows, without nails, without anything. And it was so ugly. I cried all the time. But when my hair started to grow back, I was like, I don't even want hair no more. <laughs> my hair is probably like, I mean, this is, you know, a situation, but uh, my hair uh, is extremely short. You've seen it. Mm -hmm. So um, my IG is bald head big, which is which meant to be so funny. It's <laughs> like the best IG handle ever. I was like, I love her even more now because when I saw the IG handle, I was like, I, I didn't know the backstory at that time, right? So I was like, this is just so cheeky like because it's because uh, again growing up being a black girl hair is so important right oh, you how much have long hair i can't believe you're black though such long hair right having long hair um and then yeah. before it became you know beautiful to have naturally long hair it was you know do you have a perm do you like i grew up wearing braids and i was wearing braids when nobody else was wearing braids, when people were like wearing perms mm. and ponytails, I was wearing braids and beads. Like my cousins were straight out of the seventies, and they were still like, I had hair like good times. Like it was, still, yeah. What everybody's wearing now that's cute—that's what I was wearing growing up, and it was way out of style. But that's you know that's the background that I came from, and so my dad was like, yeah, but when all your little friends don't have any hair because these perms have burned their hair out, burned their scalp up, you know, all of that. He was like, you'll appreciate it then. I was like, and that's great. But right now, <laughs> you know, I'm walking, I'm going to school and I don't look like any of the other kids. And they're like, you know, well, what is she? Is she African? Is she, you know what I'm saying? Like they couldn't get it. <laughs> so I understand how important I mean, and this is part of the work that Michaela Angela Davis does is talking about, you know, hair and black women and how important it is to us. So I can imagine having to, you know, relearn that. So yeah, when I saw, when I saw your handle, I thought about all the times that I've been called because I went through a period for a long time where like every summer I would cut my hair off and I would let it grow back out. I would cut my hair off. I would let it grow back out. And I can remember the first time that I went back to California after I moved was the first time that I had cut all my hair off. And when I got back to California, I um, rolled up on some of my friends 
And they were like, you just gonna come over here looking, cause this was after Friday. So they're like, oh, you just gonna come over here looking like Freddie Jackson? And my feelings were so hurt because I had made this bold move and cut off my hair. Right, and so I was really doing something and they were like, that's not cute. Like, they met your friends. Right. You don't need them. (laughs) Right. If they were laughing, you don't need them because they're not good friends. So, yeah, I mean, that hair thing is a big, that's a big deal. That's a big deal for us. And so, seventh grade, yeah. Yeah, because you cut it all up. Right. You sh- yeah, you shaved your head in middle school. That's a lot. But I didn't care. I mean, like she said, you have to learn to love yourself from scratch. And that's what I was like. I'm, I'm going to start yeah. all of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just learn to love me. And like, not yeah. care what everybody yeah. else has to say because what is your opinion doing for me? It's not serving me. So, I love myself, and when you love yourself, you can grow in so many ways, um, mentally, spiritually, physically, and be so successful in those areas. That's that's what hair can actually do for you, you know, cutting it off and letting it go. I I read an article um, that, that said every black woman needs to cut her hair off once in life. Like you have to have that experience, and and that experience is so underrated and misunderstood. Um, when you so you had a choice, right? And you said you made the choice not to fool yourself. You made the choice to learn to love yourself right. through everything that you were going to to fully experience that. Like you lent yourself to right. that experience, and I think it's so important. Part of shaving all your hair off, and it, I mean, think about it. Anytime black women have something major happen, what do we do? We go shave and shave all our hair off. Yeah. Oh, I'm, ta- I'm cutting my locks off. I'm cutting all this energy out. I'm gonna start again. Like that's like, like that's yeah. Cool. It's true though. It's so true. They not lying. Catharsis, <laughs> though, right? It's it's really stripping down and stripping away all of the things that we've been told are so important and that make yep. us beautiful. And really learning to love ourselves from that ground zero. Yep. So, yeah. Loving your features. Yeah. Yeah. Just appreciating the way that you were created. Mm. And that is a hard, that's a hard thing. That's why you have so many women who, you know, they transition to natural Mm -hmm. instead of doing the big chop and shaving everything clean off. They're like, "Mm, that's not going to look good on me. Right. You know, and I, I, it's not like I hadn't had short hair before, but being skin bald, mm-hmm. that's nothing. Like, I can see my cranium. <laughs> like, oh, that stripped me down. That stripped me down so much. And um, some people would see, and like, oh, girl, you, you rocking that bald head. And, you know, I didn't want to walk around. I didn't want people to victimize me. I wasn't victimizing myself. So I didn't want to carry it like, oh, feel bad for me because no. And so, you know, I would still be stylish and put on my accessories and all that. And a lot of people thought that was a choice, I, you know, a choice I made. Mm-hmm. When really my hair wasn't, I got the haircut that one time and my hair didn't grow back until I finished chemo. But, but yeah, you, learning to love yourself with nothing that the world tells you is beautiful 
is a heck of a journey, a heck of an experience. And I know that if I hadn't gone through that, then I wouldn't appreciate what I have now. So now, you know, I, I don't do as much. I used to like, my brows used to be so like bold and black and gross. <laughs> like I used to do the most with my makeup. Like I used to just do the most caked on everything. And it's crazy when you're stripped down like that, you don't just jump back into like cake face. You're so yeah. appreciative just to not have like rashes on your skin from medication. Right. You're so appreciate, appreciative to have like any brows at all that you don't even want to like ruin your natural beauty. Isn't that something? Yeah. You want to love yourself from the beginning. You're like, I don't even want to do all of what I was doing before. You thought you loved yourself before. You thought you were so beautiful before. No, no, no. You're beautiful now. You feel beautiful now. And that's, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. Um, it has really, really boosted my self-esteem and my confidence. I feel like I can do anything. I feel like I can fly. That's, that, is, that is so important. So in all of the things that they do, um, in all of the ways that they treat the disease, so a little bit of my background, um, I was a standardized patient for UT for years, which is a lay training position. So, you, so we train baby doctors to do things. We, they come into a clinical setting. We pretend to be sick. Um, we, they have to, you know, learn how to do history. They have to, so, you know, I, like when I go to the doctor, the first time that I went to the doctor after I started that job, I did that job for five years. First time after I went to my doctor after I started that job, I was like, so I'm teaching baby doctors now, and there's some things that we've been skipping over, and this is how I learned to advocate for myself. Like, I, this is not a, I'm going to come in and just tell you, oh, this thing is wrong, and, and not tell you everything that's going on with me, right? Because we're so trained to not complain. We're so trained to not say all the things that are going on that it's just like, oh, I have a cold. Let's just focus on the cold. And so, you know, we don't, we don't say, but these are my specific symptoms. I have a fever. I have a rash. I have nausea. I have diarrhea. I have, uh, my eyes are itching. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I have a cold. And so I learned mm -hmm. the importance, one, of being very thorough with my doctor and two, of, of advocating for myself, listen, I don't want to be on medication. I know I have PCOS. I also know that because I have PCOS, I'm going to have, I, like, I can manage this through diet. I can manage this through exercise. And I don't have to have the metformin. I also know that when I take the metformin, that comes with side effects. And I also know that now you want to give me a medication that reduces my appetite so that I can lose weight because the hormonal imbalance but I have to eat in order to take the other medication. So these two are canceling each other out. And you're asking me, why am I not eating? Why am I not losing weight? Why am I not doing anything? Well, why don't we just not do the medications? And why don't you give me my alternate? What, what are, what's the alternative methods that I can use? And none of the doctors, none of the nurse practitioners, nobody wanted to hear that. They wanted to all tell me, take the medicine, take the medicine, take the medicine. 
And so mm -hmm. what I learned is what they learn in those classrooms is not necessarily what they do once they get out into the field and once they get out into the office. So part of my training was uh, as a C-beta, which is Clinical Breast Exam Training Associate. And the first time that I did the training for that and saw how a breast exam was supposed to go, I went back to my OB and I was like, you're not doing it right. And he just looked shocked, like, what do you mean I'm not doing it right? And I was like, this exam should take a minimum of five full minutes. This little fill around in a circle thing that y'all do is not how mm -hmm. it's supposed to go. You're supposed to be using a method called mow the lawn, which means that you are supposed to start from the inner part of my breastbone. You are supposed to start at the top. You are supposed to move your fingers down a grid, get all the way to the bottom, mm -hmm. move over one finger, come all the way up to the top, and you are supposed to do that all the way until you get into my axilla. And then you're supposed to go into my axilla and palpate. And he was like, how do you know this? Because I train doctors to do this work now. And I, and I took great pride in doing that because I realized we're not getting what we're supposed to be getting. They come in and they just go like this and squeeze your boobs and they're like, I don't feel anything. And it's over. That's not how it works. The breast has so much structure to it. You've got to know what the difference is yes, between yes. muscle and tissue and fat and duct. You've got to know when you feel something, is that thing that you're feeling mobile or immobile? Can it, is it hard? How mm -hmm. hard is it? Is it Moving. painful? Yep. You've got to be able to look yeah. at a breast and say, oh, that breast is puckering in a certain point. We need to check at that point to see if there's something underneath the skin that's drawing it. But again, so many of these things are overlooked and so many of us don't have that knowledge because we're not doing this training right. So we don't know. We go to the doctors expecting them to be the expert and we don't know to ask questions. We don't know to say, hey, this is not a thorough breast exam. So it's so important that we have those conversations as well, that that information Absolutely. is out there, right? Because my god like you said it you you were vigilant you were concerned because of what your experience was with your mom most of us aren't though and most of right. us aren't being told this and we're not having these conversations we're not having right. so i'm the i'm the volunteer breast examiner amongst my friends i'm like you can go get it or i can give it to hey. you what you want to do i would take you to go get one swept under the rug all the time especially in black families my mom's from jamaica so she's she's coming from a caribbean family if anybody knows anything about <laughs> caribbean people it's oh they do a lot of sweeping up under the rug oh it's fine you'll be fine it's fine you're good right and so my mom never had those conversations with me you know at all i mean it's, it's not her fault Mm -hmm. But I told myself, I'm like, no, we need to, we need to talk about this. We need to have dialogue. I need to talk to the younger women, older women, black, black women, especially 
because we're more likely to die from it. We are, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we, we have less access, you know, to these kinds of things. We don't have these conversations, you know? Um, and so I'm, any opportunity I have to let young women know like this can happen to you, I try to take it because we just don't talk about it. We don't talk about the things that are bothering us. And I wish you would. Right. Well, I'm so glad um, that you took some time out because I know you've had a full day and yeah. I really <laughs> um, since we, we switched up because we were just doing live up until now. And so now we're doing the pre-recording. And so, you know, I was grateful that you were able to avail yourself to us on such short notice on a Sunday after working. Um, Cause it's, again, it's just such a necessary conversation to have. Yes. It's necessary for us. Again, for me, anytime I go into a space, I'm looking for somebody who I can relate to. I'm looking for a face that I recognize. It's like when you go into a predominantly white space and you see the other black person there, and you just have to give them the nod. I'm like, okay. See you, girl. Hey, girl. Right. I see you, girl. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah. Very much, um, very much appreciate you being here and loaning your voice to this. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the facts and figures too. So the rates for Black women getting it are not as high. We don't get it at the same rate as white women. However, we're dying at a higher rate. That's right. That's the problem. That's the problem. And it's more aggressive in young Black women. Yep. So for me, that's like a super crazy fact. It's like, what is going on that we're having these, you know, such aggressive forms of cancer? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's also the food that they put in our neighborhoods. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I think, there, I think there are multiple factors. So we talk about the medical fact. We talk about the need to get breast exams, knowing what a thorough breast exam is. We've got to talk, talk about the fact that um, we should be doing self-exams every month. When you're doing a self-exam every month, then the moment something changes, even if it's mm -hmm. a small change, you're more, you're aware because you know what your yeah. breasts feel like, what your breasts should feel like, and you're able to um you're able to start getting the help that you need as quickly as possible right you're able to go to the doctor and say right. hey there's something not right here let's you know let's yep. go ahead and take a look at this now um the other yep. part about it is you have you've said a lot about your your outlook and wanting to live i think that it's important yep. to have that positive outlook right to to make up your mind about what it is that you want and how you want to pursue it. And so, you know, whether it's uh, spiritual or religious or what else is out there, metaphysical, how much of that do you think has played a role in, in your recovery? Um, Is, you mean like as far as like spiritual, spirituality? Like, like just like having a positive outlook, right? Remaining mentally mm -hmm. healthy. Because I feel like when, so even when we're teaching, we approach it in such a clinical way. 
And I don't know that, you know, doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners and oncologists are giving a full spectrum of, of things like, listen, meditate, you know, do yoga, do things that make you happy, keep a positive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so as far as my outlook and the positivity, um, I have come to the conclusion that the universe is going to take care of me, you know, that as long as I am doing the best that I can, I don't have any ill will towards anybody or, you know, um, that I'm going to be okay. Whatever happens to me is going to be okay. And so I can, I just rest so easy. I don't worry about anything. I really don't. I worried so much last year. That's all I did was worry. Right. I don't worry anymore. I'm like, if I could do that, oh, this is nothing. Things feel like nothing. People don't bother me. You know what I say? If someone, <laughs> someone, you know, treats me badly or they, they do something nasty, I say, you know what? You come first. You have to do what you have to take care of you. Like, I don't even take things personally. I'm just right. like, you have to take care of yourself. And so if, you know, hanging up the phone on me is, is you taking care of yourself so that you don't hurt yourself and that your, your mental health is intact and all that, then you have to do what you have to do for yourself. It's crazy, the change. Like, my, my sister would even be like, girl, what? Right. The way I talk to my son is different. It's so, like, gentle now. There's just no aggression. I just... I don't want, I don't want to feel, I literally live like I'm going to die tomorrow. That's mm -hmm. literally how I live. Like I'm going to die tomorrow. And it's very easy to live that way. It's like natural now. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to die. Baby, I love you. You know, I'm just, I'm just so full of love. I can't explain it. I'm just so full of love. And all I want to do is spread that. Even if something bad happens, you know, or something negative happens, I just feel like, you know what? That's not for me. That's for the other person. They, they have to, you know, do that to help themselves or whatever. It has nothing to do with me. It's not me at all. And I used to take things personally and get offended so easily. And I just don't. I just, I don't. It's not that I don't want to. I don't try. I just don't feel it. I don't feel it. I feel like I've gone through so much. It's just, that's nothing. Nothing at all. It is. It is amazing. Let me just say, it is amazing. Like, you have so much light and so much light energy. Like, you can feel that. You look bright. And it's, it's amazing to come through this and for you to say, I live every day like I'm going to die because I don't know when that happens. In a, but in a very positive context, right, you haven't resigned yourself to this could all be over any day. Day, so who cares like you're filling up your days with so much love and positivity like that approach to it is amazing because there, again there are folks walking around here who are just like eh, whatever you know and being deliberate and intentional about that type of positivity um i gotta say that's got to have a positive impact on your health on your overall health. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That is, oh yeah. I think that's important to um I think that's important for people to make a note of that. Like even in the midst of all that was going on, like you said you worried all last year and you're determined 
to just be in a different energy this year. Um, they can't yeah. teach you that in school. You know what I'm saying? They, the, and the doctors aren't going to necessarily say, hey, just keep a positive outlook. Like, just, you know, think good right. <laughs> just want to be, you know, loving. Um, and what you put out always comes back to you. Which, If that's the energy yeah. you're putting out, it's always going to come back to you. Uh, the other thing the Chocolate Girl Wanda pointed out is nutrition. Oh, how much tired. did they how much did they talk to you about nutrition and they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. It's crazy because you know, when you are, you know, taking medication or getting treatment and you're just trying to you're desperate, you know, and so when you're desperate, your mind isn't um, you're not thinking. You're not really mm -hmm. doing things consciously. You are just kind of rolling with it. You know, these are pro medical professionals. Okay, less for me to worry about. You know, right. I don't have to be stressed. They got it, you know. Um, and so after getting better, you know, I start looking into my diet. I start looking into, you know, the acidity of foods and the alkalinity of foods, mm -hmm. you know, and thinking like, dang, was it, was, is there enough, was there another way to, you know, what could have con contributed to that diagnosis? What, you know, how did that happen? Everybody knows that, that you know, the food that's pushed on us is crap. That, mm -hmm. That's not a secret. We know. But when you start to see, like, okay, so why is it more aggressive with young black women? Exactly. Like, wh why is that? What, what, what foods do we have access to? Right. What are, what are we putting inside of our bodies? Yeah. This is not some like predisposed thing. We're not like meant to have cancer. We're not, you know? So what is it that we're consuming? You know, are we not active enough? I learned that I was supposed to be getting more vitamin D mm -hmm. and I don't get it because I don't spend enough time outside. Stuff like that. Yeah. You don't learn those things. You know, certain foods you're supposed to stay away from because your body can't process it properly all that stuff and so I did a ton of just of research and so now I have more of an appreciation for actual food yeah for actual food I didn't even try to you know you know get my body to look a certain way it just happened because I changed my mind that is changed my mind. super important changing your mind and how that can change everything um and yeah that's the exact correlation that chocolate made she was like well, look at the food that we have access to, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're looking at the numbers of Black women under 40 who are having these aggressive types of cancer and deadly tumors, it has to have a correlation to environment and nutrition and mental health, right? What we think about, um, what is it? Thoughts become things. So yeah. if you're if you're in a negative mental space, if that's what you're continuing to feed yourself a steady diet of mentally, in addition to what you're eating physically, you're in a position of of, of lack, and that's what disease is, right? It's for us to be right. out of alignment with our own wellness. So, um, yeah, super important that you said all of that. I want to say. Um, I want to give a couple, a little bit more data in terms of things that people need to be looking for, just in case they're not aware. Um, so obviously you found yours through a lump. 
that's one of the first things that we learn to detect with self breast exam. Uh, any type of abnormal discharge, uh, any skin changes, if you have skin that's bumpy or dark, the color changes, um, patchy, painful, rash, puckered, redness, those are all things. If it's uh, shrunken, swollen, those are all things that can be indicated, indicators that there's an underlying problem. Um, and knowing your family's history. So when I was teaching, students would come in regularly and talk about the uh, Brox 5 test. And so it's, you know, if you have cancer, if you have a history of cancer in your family, they will do genetic tests for this. Right. 90%, 95% of the students who came in and knew about that were not people of color. So again, important to know your family history, um, important to have an action plan, monthly self-breast exams, clinical breast exams by your healthcare provider, uh, screening and mammogram every year starting at 35. They will push it off for as long as possible. They will tell you 40, they will tell you 45, they will tell you every other year. If you know your family history, you know you have a history of it, you need to be having those exams every year. Um, if it's a strong history, a first, uh, I think it's what a first generation relative, like if it's your mother, you need to probably be having those every six months. That's something that you're going to probably have to advocate for. And I'm going to make sure to put links up. There are a lot of places that actually do free breast exams, but they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to put that information out there because mm -hmm. insurance money. So um, I'll definitely make sure to share some resources on the page. Dominique, I'm so happy that you came on and that you were willing to have this discussion and be transparent. You have been just an absolute uh, breath of fresh air. It's good to see a familiar face. Um, we're not, we're not our diseases, right? You're Dominique, right, you're right, not right. breast cancer. And so it's important for people to see that. It's important for people to see right. and to hear the full story. Um, and it's especially important for us to see people who look like us so that we can relate to it. Exactly. So exactly. there are seven questions that we ask everybody. So now we're going to ask you the seven questions that we ask everybody. All right. So Dominique, how do you make your particular brand of magic? Because we're black girls, we all have some black girl magic. How do you make your magic? How do I make it? Um, I think I make I, I make my magic by living a life of gratitude, and I think that my gratefulness uh, it shows. I just literally have an appreciation for life. And so it affects the way I move, the way I walk, you know, is confident, maybe too confident for some people, but I walk in that confidence because I feel appreciative to be able to walk. I'm glad I can walk. It's, it's, it sounds like small and it might sound silly, but I'm just glad to be able to do anything. So everything I do, feels feels intentional and it feels powerful 
and it feels moving. And so I think, yeah, I think that makes me magical. Awesome. Second question. Um, second question. What do you collect? Like what do, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, collect. Oh man. All right. I, uh, thrift store finds. <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, oh gosh. Oh, it's terrible. I already have a lot of clothes, um, but yeah, I I love thrift store shopping and DIYing and things like that. And so I, I definitely have to say um, I'm a collector of those things because they're unique and they're one of a kind. They're not made anymore. You're not going to see nobody else in them. So that's a collector's find to me. Okay, wonderful. What would people be surprised to find out about you? Aside from this, <laughs> uh, I don't know if anything beats this, but um, hmm, I don't know. Pe people seem to be surprised when I tell them I have a 10 year old. Yeah, that tends to shock people because you look super young. Yeah, right. people <laughs> they're like 30. Right. Yes, right, but yeah. That's those good jeans, though. Okay, love your magic, like no crap. All right. <laughs> um, who, um, and or what inspires you? My mom. Yay. My mom. My mom. My mom. My mom. My mom. Uh, she was just perfect. She taught me. Oh, God. She was in the military from when she was 17 years old and she retired when she was 40. So a retiree at 40 years old and then uh, got a civilian job and was gonna retire from there, I think in like another 10 years, like before she died. So she was gonna be like, the whole idea was for her to retire from two careers. Like she what? was always focused on she didn't think about like, you know, I had to, both of my parents were in my life, but she never, you know, um, let me think that it was okay to be dependent on anybody. She's like, that person can be gone just like that. Mm -hmm. So you have to get it yourself, get it. And she was able to do that and raise two daughters. She went to the, the te parent teacher conferences, took us to the sock cops. I don't know how she did it. And I feel like there's no way I can live up to that, but I sure can try. Sure can try. I, I don't. I don't. I really don't know how she did it. Um, but I always think of her. She lives right in here, and anytime I'm faced with a decision that I have to make, I literally think about her and what she would do and how she would handle the situation. And she would handle it with grace, which I just I feel like I don't have. But it's just something to strive for. It's mm -hmm. always something to strive for. So yeah, definitely. Nobody's topping her. I I can definitely relate. I definitely understand that. Um, okay, 90% of the time, what's on your feet? Mm, beautiful black women. <laughs> really? 
beautiful black women. Um, I love seeing images of us. Um, our natural hair, um, our poetry, our, you know, songs, our style. It's just full of it. That's what mm -hmm. my feet is. And it's just, it's those positive images. They're, they're reminders of how great we are. Not that I could forget, but right. it's just wonderful <laughs> to see that all the time. I don't see that in my daily life. You know, I, I work a job. You know, I clock in like yeah. so many of us, and it's not particularly inspiring. Yeah. And yeah. so I love my feed to inspire me, and it does, because I see us. I see you. I see you. I see people <laughs> like me. Awesome. Same. Um, okay. One of my favorite questions. Team iPhone or Team Android? Let me tell you, I am communicating with y'all on the iPhone right now, and I hate it. <laughs> I, Android, all, I, I cannot. I mean, I am, but I cannot. I think we have a defective. Come on over to Team Android. Just do it. I, started, I, started yeah, off with I, I can't. No, I, I used to have an Android, but in this little change of me trying to be more social and trying to be more, you know, uh -huh. active. Everybody's like, we need an iPhone, Android is trash, and I cannot tell you Android. how much I miss Android. Yes. I miss it. I miss <laughs> it. I miss it. Come on back home, sis. Come I am. Back. I am. Because this here, mm-mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. I feel you. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. It's like a cult. Like, it is. iPhone just yeah. doesn't play well with anybody else. Like I, I don't know. I try to speak into. I try to speak into it, and it like always says the wrong words. I'm like, see, my Android wouldn't do me like this. My Android right. know exactly what I'm saying. Right. Agreed. Um, all right. And our final question: What is the one thing you can't live without? I try not to get like all sentimental. <laughs> One thing I cannot live without man, my books. I heard that. Yes, ma'am. My books. I cannot, and I mean books in like all forms autobiographies. I mean, does my journal count? I yes, need count. to read. Absolutely. I need to write. I need to highlight. I need to circle. I need to study. I have yes, to study. I have to study. I have to study. I need my books. Right. Yes. Books I make myself when I journal or books that other people have written. I need to absorb information. I need to express. Ooh. Need my books. Yes. Well, I definitely hear you. I, I can relate. We're super bookish over here. Well, we have definitely enjoyed having you on. Um, I know it's getting late. We've got one more segment. You're welcome to stick around and hang out with us. Because um, we got a couple of people that we got to call out this week. Because folks out here doing the most. My bad, y'all. I'm, I'm not it's usually this tired. I apologize. For I'm just being tired. I know. It's late for everybody. So, um, so like I said, you're welcome to hang around. We've got a few more minutes of the show before we wrap up. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and move into who tried it this, this week. Some, like some folks really, really tried it this week. Uh, 
I'm gonna go ahead and start with Cross. Cause like who is he anyways? Does anybody know or care? Um <laughs> Okay. So you know how there's always a group that has a group member that nobody really <laughs> Why you do prom like Right. Lauren Wyclef and the other guy. If Proz hadn't done if Proz had if Maya hadn't done Proz a solid and done get on superstar, none of us would know who he is. Like nobody cares. Proz has zero memorable lyrics. His album was trash. Like it is. It was, you know, the Fuji's with Lauren Hill. Why class? And why class seven? Why class seven? You know that one dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, bro. That's, you know, uh, he got one dude with the. But let me tell you what he did this week because apparently he thought he was relevant um, because a, a TMZ person asked a question. But TMZ asked anybody. Like, everybody. Like, they're very non discriminating. So, one of the TMZ. Uh, journalist caught him coming out of a restaurant and asked him his opinion on Justin Timberlake having having Janet Jackson come back to the Super Bowl. Like, you know, this is a big conversation because Janet has been banned since Nipplegate. Like, she's been sanctioned. She can't perform at Which any is, NFL event. That wasn't even her fault. Like, right. she pulled her. Right, but Justin Timberlake has now been invited to come back to the Super Bowl, and they're like, "Well, enough time has passed. Maybe they should lift the sanction on Janet." Um, and then Justin kind of ghosted her; like he didn't really stand up for her when everything happened. So for that, I'm all right, right, right. I'm like, okay, so really, because you were a part of that too. So how come she's the only one who got in trouble? Right. Um, That's like two kids and the one who it really wasn't their fault getting in trouble. Like, come on. Right, but he was there too. But Proz actually had the nerve to fix his mouth to say, "Fix his mouth." He did. He fixed his mouth and said, "The mitigated gall, the unmitigated gall, the audacity to say that there is no need for Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl." First of all, there's no need for you in this right. Right. That reaction. That exact reaction right there. First of all, it's Rob. <laughs> like, I thought it was Rob's will or something like that. I didn't know it You know why? Because so nobody like, cares. And so, the one opportunity that you have to answer a question is, for somebody to actually care what you have to say, you say there's no need for Janet Jackson. Come on, son. Come on, kid. That's how we live it. Amina. Cross, you, you tried it. You failed. Come on. Now, <sighs> apparently, people, this is just a week for folks to just fail black women in general. <laughs> like, th this is what has happened. So, a year ago, Azalea Banks, now let me say this. Let me just go ahead and put this out there so that nobody, like, hits me up and is like, but, but like, it's Azalea yeah. Banks. And she's problematic and she's trash. And listen, we know that. We know she's <laughs> difficult, whatever. Doesn't matter. People are still buying the album. She's still out on tour. People are still fooling with her. 
Um, a year ago, she said that Russell Crowe choked her, spat at her, called her nigga, and put her out of his hotel room. I'm sorry, not a nigga, a nigga with the hard heart. So, like, this wasn't like a cool, playful, like, he was aggressive. And she said during this whole encounter that Rizza was there from the Wu Tang Clan. Now, Rizza is a five percenter. Like, that's a known fact. Like, that's part of the whole culture of the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, five percent nation of Islam, nation of gods and earth. So, they have their own problems with patriarchy and, you know, the black man is God, mm-hmm. but the black woman is earth and like they're the sons of God come to civilize the daughters of man so they've got some some problematic doctrine already but when it first went down and she said this is what happened Rizzo was like no nah, that ain't happening I don't know what she's talking about that ain't that ain't happening so recently she came back out and um was like you know I don't so she's supposed to be in a movie he cast her in a movie or whatever and she was like basically I don't fool with him I hope he dies because damn is, like because this is the only as well and no he like yeah no he basically 
was just like, I tried to do everything I could do to help her, but she's a big problem. And so that's why it happened. And he just stood there and let it happen. So needless to say, this whole new Wu-Tang album, oh, that's why, that's why it came back up. So Wu-Tang just released a new album for the first time in like 30 years. Um, and they're all 60 years old. And the only person I really care about is Method Man. So Method Man, uh, Method Man thank you. Right. <laughs> right. So um, Meth. Yeah, I don't. So the RZA is trash. Take him out. Throw him away. Start again. So uh, for the RZA, he's not he's almighty. He's 46. He's 64. Mom, <laughs> whatever. He's old and he's trash. He's fifty-three. That's his height, and he tried it. He tried it. So, so I'm talking about Method Man. Oh yeah, no, I know how Method Man is because we were married in a previous life. Don't even worry about it. Mom. Check the data. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's, it's true. You were his girlfriend. I was yeah, for five nice. minutes. For five whole minutes. That did something. It, it did. did. It changed the course of my life forever. <laughs> So, for the RZA of the almighty Wu-Tang Clan, sir, thank you for exactly zero things. You tried, tried it. Your you hairline receded. <laughs> <laughs> and that, sir, is what we call a failure. But, of course, we always have to end on a positive note. Oh, before we get to our positive note, we have some um, RIPs for this week. Yes. Super sad. Um... So in Memphis, where we just moved from, my uh, hometown in Tennessee, no, yes, the yes. president and publisher of the Tri-State Defender, Renal Smith, who is responsible for a whole lot of us having bylines. Um, mm. If you are Black in, in Memphis, you probably wrote for the Tri-State Defender at one point. So um, he passed very suddenly at 45. So R.I.P. Hmm. Renal Smith and um, stage legend Thespian <sighs> Rafiki from The Lion King. R.I.P. Robert Hewitt. Dean Hewitt. Um, also, my favorite show that he was on, and now you have to go look this up, was Soap. So, soap. I just saw that. Right. Okay. So he did. So Soap uh, and created his own spinoff, which was Benson. Where he went from being the butler to being the lieutenant governor. Ow! And so, That's um, yes. And so he was the original like shade meister. Like he would regularly. So he was he was supposed to play George Jefferson. Yes. Little known history fact: Robert Guillaume was supposed to be George Jefferson, not Sherman Hemsley. But he had a very reserved way about himself. So whereas George Jefferson was like always over the top, going to um, listen and calling people honkies, <laughs> like, he wasn't playing them games. So, so Benson did that without doing that. So yeah, sad. He um, had a stroke and did not recover. So R.I.P. to Robert Young. Now we always have to end it on those positive notes. Because some folks be out here doing the most. So you said that um, John Legend and Jesse Williams, Williams are working on um, a film about the 1968 Olympics. Um, That's the Black Power Olympics. The Black, the black, mm -hmm. the black Power Olympics um, with 
Charlie Smith and uh, John Carlos. John Carlos. Yeah. John Carlos. That, that epic picture. Yes. With this the one, black right power post. So. Yeah. Well, that's dope. I'm glad mm -hmm. to see them both out here being active. Jesse Williams had come under some heat lately because he left his wife. He was that's cheating. Good. So. Maybe um, I thought himself. his wife was white. No, his wife is black. The woman he left her for. Yes, yeah, so he's been. But we, but positive, positive. So uh, John Legend and Jesse Williams are doing the most, and we are here, here for it. it. Uh, also here for the fact that Lupita came out with her Harvey Weinstein yeah. story, and that was very necessary. Like. One of the things that has been said a lot is she she's the only person that he's responded to directly. With everybody else, he said, you know, oh, it was consensual. Oh, this is the culture. Oh, with yes. her, he made advances, and she said she, so she wrote a whole page about it, and she was like, every time he made an advance, when she felt, you know, dangerous, she moved herself to a different situation so that she never really had to have an encounter with him. So he said he doesn't remember it the same way, but you know, she's a very talented actress and he wishes her well. So she's the only person that he responded to directly. And some people say it's because she's black and he wanted it to be known that he didn't do that. Um, either way, I think it took a lot of courage for her to tell her story, um, especially in this industry when one of the reasons why people haven't told their stories is because they were so afraid that they wouldn't be able to get work again. And so her, right. star, her star is definitely ascending, right? And that could have been problematic for her in the industry. So she really did take the chance and put herself out there. And so for that, I'm appreciative. I'm always appreciative of women using their voices um, and speaking up. Because I'm sure if she has something to say, just like these other 49 women before her, that there are more women out there who haven't told their stories. So um kudos to you lupita you are doing the most and we are, are here for it and our final doing the most for this episode goes to you dominique who i spells to you darling yes the one who radiates uh, yes uh thank you for being transparent for having a heart to continue to educate, for, for educating yourself, for shedding lights. Um, it is very much appreciated. Your voice is very much appreciated. If there's anything that we can do to help you, to support you, by all means, oh. reach out anytime, sis. Uh, you're doing the most, and we are, are here for it. Um, that's going to conclude this episode of the, the intersection and of course we have to go out on a song we do not go out with rivers we go, we'll out, go out with, with a bang so all right sam you ready cue it up everybody got to dance in their spirit i'm here with my angel with the only true love sheila e <laughs> uh I feel like there's a theme to today's music. Do you feel it? I feel it in my soul. Feel it. I feel it.